Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So if you've grown up in Texas, more than likely at some point in time, you've taken a Texas history class. And if you've taken Texas history, then you may or may not remember the the train that arrived three years, 16 days, and 10 minutes late. And, and so the the train was the train number one, a passenger train of the Gulf and Interstate Railroad. It was... September 8th, 1900, that it left the train station in Beaumont, Texas at 7 a.m. to head to Galveston. Unfortunately, this was the same day of the storm, the Galveston storm of 1900, that blew in, and, and it, it covered the tracks, and it, it covered the train. Now, some people were able to escape. Unfortunately, some perished in the storm, and so just about three miles from its destination, this train had literally been stopped in its tracks. But three years later, on September 4th, 1903, there were efforts to rebuild the track and and uncover this train. And what they discovered as they uncovered this train, because of all of the sand that had covered this train, what they discovered was that the train was preserved and perfectly intact. And so they were able to to pull this train into Port Bolivar, its original destination, three years later. It's the longest scheduled train run in recorded history. So this is no surprise at this point that it's Easter Sunday. This is Resurrection Sunday. And, And as we think about this celebration of both his his death and resurrection, as we think about Christ dying on the cross, as we think about him him raising from the grave, as we remember those events today, we we also remember that that these events occurred not three years ago. These events occurred more than 2,000 years ago. Now, most of what happened 2,000 years ago is long but forgotten. But because of God's great love for us and because of his faithfulness, The message of the cross and the message of the empty tomb arrives to us again, once again today, preserved and perfectly intact. So this morning, we're wrapping up a short three-part series titled The Lamb That Was Slain. This last Sunday, we looked at at Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on what we now know as Palm Sunday. And then this last, last Thursday, we came together for a special Lord's Supper service. And so we paused and we remembered Christ's sacrifice. We, we passed the bread and we remembered his body that was broken for us. And we passed that cup and we remembered Christ's blood that was shed for us. And then we were able to transition to the foot of the cross. And we were able to, to hear through God's word, we were able to hear the, the criminals on either side of Jesus, and we were able to hear from Jesus himself. But today we're not going to be at 
the, the Lord's Supper table, and we're not going to be at the cross. Today we're going to be at the tomb, and we're going to be able to, to witness with those that were present the, the events of the open tomb, and we're going to get to celebrate with those that were present. We're going to get to celebrate because the tomb was in fact empty because Jesus had risen again. But let me pause and say this. I mentioned this last week, but I think it, it's worthy of mentioning again. While we make a big deal about the resurrection at Easter time, just like we make a big deal about uh, Christ's birth at Christmas time, really, for the believer, every day is a day to remember and celebrate the resurrection. For the believer, every day is a day to remember and celebrate the resurrection. Because if you've given your life to Christ, then, then just... Just as Jesus rose from the grave to new life, then, then because of his resurrection power, you have received that new life into you. From Jesus Christ, you have received that new life into your life. And so every day is a day to remember and to celebrate the resurrection. But what we also remember is that if Jesus had the power to overcome death, if Jesus had the power to overcome the grave, then there's nothing in your life and there's nothing in my life that he doesn't have the power to overcome. Understand, there is nothing in your life that is insurmountable for the resurrected Lord. There's nothing in your life that is insurmountable for the resurrected Lord. Maybe, maybe you struggle with some addictions in your life. Those may be too big for you to overcome, but they're not too big for the resurrected Lord. Maybe you have struggles in your marriage. They may be too big for you to overcome, but those struggles are not too big for the resurrected Lord. Maybe there's a sin that you just keep going back to time and time again. It may be too big for you to overcome, but it's not too big for the resurrected Lord because there is nothing in your life that is insurmountable for the resurrected Lord. And so every day, if you are a believer, every day is a day to remember and to celebrate the resurrection. And so my challenge for you today and my challenge for you this week is that the celebration of the resurrection wouldn't end today. That as we celebrate Christ's death and resurrection, that, that it wouldn't end right here on Easter Sunday, but that really today would be just the beginning that today that celebration would begin in your hearts in this place this morning and that you would take this celebration out of this place, into your homes, into your workplaces, into this community and beyond. And so as the celebration begins in our hearts today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 today. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Now, as you're turning there, let me say this. What we're going to see as we start off in this passage is that the first individuals to arrive at the open tomb are women. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and even other women that were not named here, they were the first to arrive at, at the empty tomb. They were the first to be a part of Christ's resurrection story. So there are a couple of things that I would say about this. First, I believe that this reveals the authenticity of the resurrection. Because at that time and, and in that culture, women were not as highly regarded. And so if, 
if a story was going to be fabricated by the disciples about the resurrection, they certainly would not have used women to be the first eyewitnesses. They, they would have used men to be the first eyewitnesses. But this story was not fabricated. This story was recounted and retold. And so as Luke shares that women were the first eyewitnesses at the empty tomb, he doesn't do it to validate the story. He does it to simply share the story, to retell the story as a matter of fact, the way that it truly happened. But, but as we look back and as we understand the culture at that time, we can understand that this does, in fact, validate the story. This does give some authenticity because there wouldn't have been any reason for this detail to have been shared if this, is, if this isn't the way that it had actually occurred. So this reveals the authenticity of the resurrection. Second, this reveals that the resurrection is for all people. This reveals that the resurrection is for all people. While women may not have been as highly regarded at that time, Christ didn't come to, to die and, and to raise to new life simply for those that were highly regarded. Christ came to die for men, for women, for children, and for all races alike. He came to die for all who would believe. And so the resurrection is for all people. And so just as these women got to be a part of the resurrection story, and then they went and shared with the disciples, and, and the disciples got to be a part of the resurrection story, the question that I would have for you today is, are you a part of Christ's resurrection story? Has there been a time in your life that you have turned from your sins, allowing Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life, receiving that new life into your life? Are you a part of Christ's resurrection story? Because while the resurrection is something that, that happened as a moment in history, its story continues today as people continue turning from their sins, turning to the resurrected Lord, receiving that forgiveness and receiving that new life that only he can give. So are you a part of Christ's resurrection story? And if you would say, there's never been a time that you've given your life to Christ, then my prayer would be that today would be the day that you become a part of Christ's resurrection story. And what better day for that to happen on than today, Easter Sunday. With that in mind, let's read our passage now, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. 
Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths, so he went away amazed at what had happened. Now, as we look at this passage, I want to start off by highlighting those, those words in verse 1. It says, on the first day of the week. Now, prior to Christ's resurrection, the Sabbath was always recognized and celebrated on, on the last day of the week. The, the seventh day of a week was set aside as a time to, to rest, as a time to, to meditate and, and to think on the Holy Scriptures. But following Christ's resurrection, because Jesus rose again on the first day of the week, the early church moved their time of gathering, their time of celebration, they moved it to the first day of the week so that every time that they came together, every time that they gathered together, it, it wouldn't only be a time to, to pause and to meditate on God's word, but it, that it would be a celebration of Christ's resurrection. So let me encourage you, if, if you aren't already doing so, I want you to begin viewing our times together as a weekly celebration of Christ's resurrection. Because here's the reality. We don't often celebrate things alone. We gather together for celebrations. We don't often, we don't often celebrate things alone. We gather together for celebrations. So I shared this last week, but, but just a couple of weeks ago, our daughter Emily turned... 14 years old, and how did she want to celebrate? By inviting a large group of girls over to our house. Now, for, for my son Ethan and I, that meant that we got to get out of the house for a guy's night out. We went to main event. We ordered pizza. We played games. We got out of there, right? But Emily wanted to have this gathering because we don't often celebrate things alone. We gather together for celebrations, and every Sunday morning is an opportunity for us to gather together once again, to come together, to celebrate our resurrected Lord. So begin viewing these times as we gather together as a weekly celebration of Christ's resurrection. And I say this because I get it. By the time we get to Sundays, we are tired. We're tired from the week, we're tired from the work, Retired from going here and there with our grandkids and our kids, doing all of the activities. We get to Sunday, and we are tired. But, but Sunday morning is such a special day of the week because it's the first day of the week, and it's on the first day of the week that Jesus rose again, and, and it's the first day of the week that we get to come together to once again remember and to celebrate our risen Lord. But now as we continue to consider Christ's resurrection this morning, there, there are just two big truths that I want you to walk away with today. The first thing I want you to walk away with is that death was not the final note for Jesus. Death was not the final note for Jesus. Now, if you remember thinking back to the Christmas story, it was actually the, the, the angels that showed up and began to announce to the shepherds that Jesus had been born. But then as we get to the resurrection story, now we see the angels show up once again, and the angels announce that Jesus has risen, saying, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. 
but he has risen. Now, the reason that the women were going to this, the tomb with their spices was because when Jesus was laid in that tomb, his body was prepared quite hastily. And so the women are going to the tomb to, to finish doing the job, to, to finish preparing Jesus's body for entombment. And so as they are coming to the tomb to, to finish the job, they, they expect to find the body still laying there in the tomb. They expect Jesus to still be dead because in their minds, the final note for Jesus had been played. Jesus had been crucified. His body had passed away. So Winston Churchill was 90 years old when he passed away in 1965, and at his graveside service, he requested that there be a bugler present to play that song, Taps, a song signaling that the day is over because Winston Churchill's life had ended. But then following the song's song, Taps, he had requested that a second bugler be present to play the song, Reveille a song not signaling that the day has ended, but, but a song signaling that it's time to get up because Winston Churchill knew that for the believer that, that death was not the final note because if they had given their life to Christ, the final note for them was going to be the resurrection. The final note was going to be life. The final note would be it's time to get up. You see... When the women went to the tomb, they went to the tomb having heard taps play. They, they, they saw Jesus crucified on the cross. They, they knew that he had been laid in that tomb. For them, this seemed to be the end. This seemed to be the final note for Jesus. But, but as the angels appeared to them, they, they made their announcement saying, He is not here. He is risen, and the angels reminded these women that death was not the final note for Jesus. Rather, because, because Jesus had risen again, the final note for Jesus was it's time to get up. The final note for Jesus was life, for he had risen again victoriously. So I want you to hear this truth today. Death was not the final note for Jesus, and death doesn't have to be the final note for you either. Death was not the final note for Jesus, and death doesn't have to be the final note for you either. Now, here's the reality of what Scripture teaches us. We have all sinned, every single one of us, and, and, and God is so holy and so just and so perfect, and our sin is so grave, so detestable, that, that our sin requires death. But not only that, our sin prevents us from being in that right relationship with the Father. And sadly, if we die apart from Christ, that death will be the final note for us, and that death will that note will ring out for all eternity. But here's the hope for us that God, in his great love for us, sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to go to that cross, to die in your place, and to die in my place. Jesus died on that cross, he was buried in the tomb. But death wasn't the final note for Jesus because he rose again victoriously. And so if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we will believe in our heart that God did raise him up from the grave, we will be saved. You see, the beauty of Christ's resurrection 
is that not only was death not the last note for Jesus, but death doesn't have to be the last note for us either because we can turn from our sins and we can cry out to Jesus, allowing him to be our Lord, receiving that forgiveness into our lives, and we can have a new note to play. We can have that song, Reveille, it's time to give it, get up. The new note for our life doesn't have to be death, but resurrection. Death was not the final note for Jesus, and death doesn't have to be the final note for you either. So let me just pause right now and ask, if you were to die today, what would the final note of your life be? Would it be tap signaling the end that, that the day has ended, but also that your life has ended on this earth and for all eternity? Or would it be reveille? Would it be resurrection? Would it be it's time to get up, signaling that because you've given your life to Christ, this is not the end for you, but it's just the beginning. My prayer is that the final note for you would not be taps, but the final note for you would be reveille, that the final note for you would be resurrection as you come to know Jesus as the Lord of your life. Death was not the final note for Jesus, and it doesn't have to be the final note for you either. Finally this morning, the second and last big truth that I want you to walk away with Life is not found in dead things. Life is not found in dead things. Now, this sounds like such a simple question that the angels asked the women uh, as they went to this, this tomb and didn't find Jesus. And, and, and the angels asked, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Sounds like such a simple question, but this question really is packed with so much truth and application for our lives because the reality is, is that many times we look for life in dead things, but life cannot be found in dead things. So there's a couple of dead places that we as humans often turn to looking for life. Dead places that we go looking for life. The first dead place that we often turn to looking for life is our own good works. So after graduating from college, I, I worked in the business world for several years. The final position that I held before uh, going into ministry was I was the supervisor for customer service and self-pay for five different uh, hospitals in Oklahoma. And while working in the business world, what I realized that if, if I would work hard enough, if I would apply myself, then I would excel. I would, I would get promotions. I, I would get better pay and better titles. And I'll be honest, there, there's still a bit of pride, just human pride in my own heart as, as I tell you that I was a supervisor for, for these five hospitals in, in Oklahoma because in our human flesh, we understand hard work. We understand working to get what we deserve. And so when it comes to salvation, many times as humans, we try to apply that same works-based mentality. And, and we think to ourselves, if we will just work hard enough, before the Lord, that, that somehow we will prove ourselves, that somehow we will prove to God that we deserve salvation, that we will prove to God that, that we can get into heaven. But when we look for life in our own good works, what we're doing is looking for life in a dead thing, because here's the truth. There is no work that we will ever be able to do to provide eternal life for ourselves. 
There is no work that you or I will ever be able to do to provide eternal life for ourselves. There's only one work that has ever been done and only one work that will ever be done to provide eternal life for us. And that is the work that Jesus accomplished through the cross. And so when we look for life in our own good works, we are looking for life in a dead thing. And quite honestly, I think that, that there's a bit of pride that goes into that for us. It can only be pride that, that would tell us that, that somehow in my own strength, I can do something to be good enough. It, that, that somehow I can do a temporal work to provide an eternal result. So let me pause right here and say this. Temporal works can never provide eternal results. Temporal works can never provide eternal results. So don't look to your own good works. Don't look for life in a dead thing. Instead, look to the only one who has ever done an eternal work to provide an eternal result. Look to Christ who gave his life on the cross and then he rose again. He is not here for he has risen. So the first dead place that we often turn to looking for life is our own good works. The second dead place that we often turn to looking for life is religion or religious rituals. So there are three things that we as Southern Baptists value. We value church membership. We value baptism and we value observing the Lord's Supper, which we, we celebrated together on Thursday night. And we believe that each of these things are things that God has called us to do as believers. But understand, Scripture is very clear that none of these things provide salvation for us, but only Jesus can provide salvation for us. Listen, we, we link our life up with a body of believers to serve together, to grow together, to be on mission together, to celebrate the resurrection together not in order to be saved, but because we have been saved. In the same way, when we enter those baptismal waters, there's nothing magical about the water. We enter those waters because we believe that it's a symbol for what has already taken place in our life. It's a great picture of the tomb being buried with Christ and raised to new life. But we don't believe that the water saves us because only Jesus can save us. And so we believe that salvation comes at the moment that we confess Jesus as the Lord of our lives. And so we don't get baptized to save us, but as an act of obedience, because God calls all who have given their lives to Christ to publicly profess him as Lord through baptism. And as we think about the Lord's Supper, as we pause to, to remember Christ's sacrifice for us through the, the broken bread and through the, the passing of the cup. Understand, the Lord's Supper, it points us to Christ's sacrifice. It is not Christ's sacrifice. The Lord's Supper points us to the cross. It is not the cross. And so we don't turn to these religious rituals in order to provide salvation for us. We observe these things because we believe God has commanded us to as believers, but they don't provide salvation for us. And so what happens is that 
Sometimes we think if we can get our name on a church roll or, or if we will get in those baptismal waters or if we'll observe the Lord's Supper, if we will do these religious rituals, then maybe God will be satisfied with us and let us into heaven, let us have eternal life. But if we look to religious rituals to provide salvation for us, if we are looking for life in those things, then we are looking to a dead thing because all of those things are meant to point us back to Christ. They are not Christ. And so we can't look to good works and we can't look to our, our religious rituals hoping to gain eternal life because those are just dead things. But we worship, we celebrate, and we submit to a risen Lord. He is not here, for he is risen. So let me pause right here and ask, where are you looking for life this morning? Are you looking for life in your own good works, hoping that you can do enough, hoping that you can be good enough, that God will somehow accept you based on your works? Listen, you will never be able to be good enough, but Jesus was good enough. And Jesus is good enough, and he still has the power to save you today. Are you looking for life in your own good works? Are you looking for life in religious rituals? I don't care if you've come to church here for years, and you've sat in a pew for years. Listen, coming and sitting in a building will never save you, but Jesus can and Jesus will if you will submit your life to him. And so if you're looking for life in anything other than in Jesus Christ, then I would ask you, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, for he has risen. And so today, if you have never called upon the Lord, if you've never asked him to save you, if today you would say, I've been looking for life in the dead things, but I'm ready to give my life to the Lord this morning, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here today and you would say, that's me, I've never given my life to Christ, but today I recognize the sin that's in my life, the sin that, that condemns me to hell, the sin that separates me from a holy God, and I'm ready to turn to Jesus for salvation, the one who is risen from the dead. If you're ready to give your life to Christ today, then as we sing this song, I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing just down front. As we sing, would you just step out of your seat and come and meet me down here? Let's talk. Let's pray. Today can be the greatest day of your life, the best Easter of your life as you enter into that relationship with the resurrected Lord. Maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that step of baptism. Once again, we don't get baptized to save us. We get baptized because we have been saved, and God calls us to do this as an act of obedience. And so if you've never taken that step of baptism, but you've given your life to Christ already, then I would invite you to respond as well. We can talk, we can pray, we can make that commitment together today. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ and I've been baptized already. And you've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale and you know that God's calling you to make this your church home. Listen, church membership can't save you either, but Jesus can. And if you've given your life to Christ and, and you've followed with baptism, then, then you are invited 
to join your life with ours, to serve Christ with us, to be on mission with us, to celebrate his resurrection each and every day of our lives. So if you want to come and join this church body, then I would invite you to respond as well. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, my encouragement to you is respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week. Thank you.